0: Welcome to a reverent testimony brought to you by NetRoots Radio. We are a political podcast by informed millennial and gen X types from a left wing perspective. It is Saturday, February fifteenth, two thousand twenty. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And um yeah, it's been a week.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's been a couple weeks. Couple weeks, yes.
0: Since we have graced you with our presence.
1: Yes, live at least. Um yeah, Happy Valentine's Day, I guess, if you celebrate that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, <clears throat> we don't. No. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> we stayed home last night, right? Yes. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah I guess we did.
1: I ate some Mediterranean food. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And watched it was really some, good. Some of our show. Um. Well, so here we are, and uh, a lot has happened, and none of it's good, mm-hmm. um, as usual. So, where do you want to start?
0: Well, it's stupid season in the primary. Yep. Um, there's It's stupid for a couple of reasons. The first off, like I've lived through enough of these primaries where there's, you still have a bunch of candidates, um, you know, as we're getting started here. Like we're used to just, you know, Obama was unopposed in 2012 and then he re- really, it was just Obama Clinton in 2008. And then of course it was just uh Clinton, Bernie, the last time, so we're not used to I mean the Republicans had their big field last time, but mm-hmm. you, what you're getting is this sort of flavor of the week deal where mm-hmm. uh, everybody's excited about this person, and everybody's excited about that person. And what's weird and what I don't think that the uh, media is really capturing is that it's all about this perc- this perception of this person is the best bet to beat Trump. Yes. And they're saying so in the polls. It's not like, okay, whoever is, is doing well in the polls or rising in the polls is like, ooh, we really like their platform or what they say about this or that. Like Some of that factors in, sure. But this is really all about, okay, this person we think is is the new flavor of the week that can beat Trump. Right. And for a long time it was Biden right. until the campaign actually really started. And then they realized, eh, Maybe Nobody not. Nobody wants
1: to vote for Biden.
0: Yeah, maybe not. And then part of that was like, oh, you know, we're very worried about the Republicans digging up stuff on Hunter Biden. I, you know, I'm sure that's part of it. And now then for a while it was Warren and then that faded away. Oh, no, nobody's going to vote for a woman. Mm-hmm. And now and now it's kind of the flavor of the <clears throat> week besides Klobuchar a little bit, which will fade and Pete somewhat um, because of Iowa is Bloomberg. Now everybody's very excited because Bloomberg has showed a pulse in the polls because he is flooding the airwaves everywhere with all of his very well done, polished, shiny ads.
1: It's more than that, right? So, first of all, I just want to say it's very frustrating and it's always been very frustrating that the first two primary slash caucuses that are held in this country are 90 plus percent white people voting in small underpopulated states, and it really does frame the election in a way that I think is really toxic and dangerous, Mm -hmm. um, and we really need to look at as a party changing the way that works, because people drop out, um, people don't get enough fundraising support after these things start to happen, and really, it has zero reflection on the voting um, population of the Democratic Party and of the country. Um, and it really does damage, I think, to candidates who would do really well in places where actual people that look like the rest of the country live. Um, and it's been especially frustrating for me this year because we've just seen so many good people yeah. you have to uh, to drop, out. drop like, out. Can you
0: tell me there's a good reason why Andrew Yang, Tom Steyer, and Mike Bloomberg are still in the race? Well, and Yang dropped Corey, out. Oh, Yang did? Yeah. Well, up until just a couple of days ago. And Cory Booker and Kamala Harris have been out for weeks, months.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Exactly. So we have now entirely white people. Mm-hmm. So we get, we went from a platform of pretty well evenly um, mixed right racially diverse candidates to all the white folks that are left. That's yeah. it.
0: And mostly older white folks.
1: Yes. Mayor Pete being the exception.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's a real shame Um. And I think when you have a, a, you know, a docket as large as ours was, that was sort of always to be expected, that even really, really great candidates, if we're going to do this stupid thing that we're doing where there's fundraising and and donor um, guidelines for whether or not you get to be in the debate, which I think is just was a terrible idea, then it does push out the Cory Bookers and the Kamala Harris's. um, Mm. And it's really unfortunate.
0: It's also that part of primary season where everybody's under a microscope and you really get to see everybody's warts yeah. <laughs> and start to dislike most of the people in the field.
1: Yeah. Uh, which, With the exception w- of Bloomberg, which is something. Well, hold
0: on. I'll get to that. But yeah. my point is, uh, which on the Republican side is fine because they can sling all the shit they want at each other and be at each other's throats. And at the end of the day, you know, they're going to coalesce around whoever the candidate is. Yeah. Um, case in point, 2016. Yep. Uh, on our side, it's trickier. Yep. You you really... The hurt feelings can really last. And yep. it's it's harder to to patch those things up.
1: And it's not even hurt feelings in some cases. It's like... I, It's not even like I don't like your guy because it's not my guy. It's like, oh, I really dislike your guy. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, there's your guy's a lot just of as
0: bad as really the opposition. Really bad
1: problems with this person <laughs> that make it really unpalatable for me to want to vote for them.
0: Well, sometimes it is hurt feelings too. You think yeah. about the... Back in 2008, the, uh, what were they called? Pumas. The Pumas in Denver, yeah. Um, But, you know, ultimately that didn't matter. It wasn't going to be close enough for them to matter. But, you know, lately it is close enough for it to matter, and so it's potentially problematic. Um, But some warts are much, much bigger than others, and that's going to lead us to talk about the latest flavor of the week, which is Mike Bloomberg, which I, before we get into it, I don't think it's sustainable I mean I think eventually Mike Bloomberg the candidate is going to have to show himself and not just be an idea which I think is what what he is right now. Um, I don't think the 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 15% or so of national you know polling average he's got now are mostly people that say I really like Mike Bloomberg and I'm excited about him possibly becoming president. Right. I think it's oh this guy can beat Trump I guess. Right. But go ahead because you have a lot to say. I have a
1: lot to say. First of all, the reason that we don't know that much about Mike Bloomberg is very strategic on his behalf. Yeah, yes. He waited to get into the race until much later so that he would not be under scrutiny.
0: Right. So he wouldn't be covered in mud the way everybody else is.
1: Correct. Which was really smart of him. Yeah. Mike Bloomberg also has, is a billionaire. I think the number I most recently saw was, yeah, like billionaire, right? I think it's six billion is the number. But, um, that's an insane amount of money. And if what we come to understand is true is that he really does want to be president more than anything else.
0: And he's, he's to more blow than happy
1: to blow a, one or billion? two billion of those, right? Yeah. He'll still have $4 billion <laughs> at the end of the day. Right. You couldn't spend a billion dollars in your lifetime if you tried. Right. Um, and he's doing some other things that are really gross and strategic, um, that I don't think is getting any coverage in the news media. So beyond just blanketing the airwaves and the billboards and everything else with ads that are very shiny, um, and it shows this sort of like older white statesman from New York who was the mayor of New York City and like, you know, maybe two New Yorkers, he could beat Trump, right? He's also doing things that are really gross um, on a local and state level wherein, I know for a fact talking to some operatives in the state of Colorado, that they're having a really hard time staffing their campaigns, uh, like their state-level campaigns for presidential candidates, because what Mike Bloomberg does is he goes in and he poaches all the best campaign staffers from all the other campaigns. Mm -hmm. And you might be like, why would you go to Bloomberg? Well, he offers you double, triple what you're being paid to work for, say, warren or bernie or
0: which, which or and, and whoever. As, we, as we know if it's double or triple what you'd normally get then it might actually be a living a wage. living wage right. whereas if you worked for yes. the other candidates it wouldn't be no it would just be out of love and hopefully your partner or parents or whoever else right. to support you
1: in colorado i mean for like house races i know um campaign managers make like uh, 2500 bucks a month <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: tops and that's, <laughs> that's
0: almost rent <laughs> and that's to
1: work you know 80 or 90 hours a week Yeah, um, in campaign season these yeah. are not these are not 8 to 5 9 to 5 jobs <laughs> trust me um, so at a presidential level like maybe you're making 40 mm-hmm. to work 90 hours a week and Mike Bloomberg comes in and says why don't you come work for me I'll give you 100k right to work for 4 months
0: or even 60 or 70k right like oh well now I oh, can pay my rent well, now I
1: can actually pay my rent right yeah. Um, So he's doing that. and It's being effective. You know, I
0: I would take issue with calling it gross. He's got the money to do it, and he's doing it.
1: Cat. God, sorry. Um,
0: (laughs) I mean, the system is
1: right, I think that that's more the issue, is that he's... It's not just throwing around money to get campaign staffers, either. It's throwing around money, for example, in paying people to create... Paying like fun internet people to create fun internet meme accounts and things and like making him look cool, which is like, okay, um, it's, uh, having fundraisers or not fundraisers rather, but rallies Mm -hmm. that are catered, uh, with free wine and beer. So if you'd like to go rah, 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 Mike Bloomberg, maybe you don't want to do that, but you want like some free food and booze to just go stand around and clap. We can do that.
0: Yeah, and again I would say that's that's fine for a little bit but you know, that can't sustain through a whole campaign season.
1: But the point is all of this money, right, that he's pouring into his campaign. None mm-hmm. of this has to do with anybody liking Mike Bloomberg. No. None of this has to do with policy. No. None of this has to do with personality. None of this has to do with leadership. None of this has to do with anything. Or it has his to platform. do with money.
0: Because his platform is is very generic democrat what, what Democrat the Democratic light. Party is today, right? But light. It, yeah. Well, I mean, and light so or whatever. It's, if you, it's I care about climate change. I care about guns. I care. It's like, yeah, that's standard shit, man. Right? That's, you're not reinventing the wheel here.
1: My point is, if Mike Bloomberg becomes the candidate, and we're going to talk about all the reasons that that shouldn't happen, and we're going to talk about a lot more,
2: but mm-hmm.
1: just from a money standpoint, If he's able to come into this race with basically no platform, no policies, nothing, right, and just spend a shitload of money and he gets the nomination, I think that tells us everything we need to know about the state of our politics in this party and in this country.
0: Right, because... If money can
1: buy you a nomination on the basis of nothing else but just money, that's it.
0: I think even that it can buy you contention is problematic. Yes, And and we, again, we don't know if this is going to last. You know, once we get to the southern states, Bloomberg could completely crater and then realize he's burning his money, you know, although he's got the money to stay in no matter what. But my point is this, like we've been hearing this shit for decades. Literally decades now, from our side, we got to get money out of politics. Mm -hmm. There's too much money in politics. Mm -hmm. There's too much money to, you know, all these purity tests. This candidate is too tied to the banks. This this candidate has too many donors. Remember, it was just a week or two ago you had Warren and Pete slinging shit at each other over who had the most rich donors, and that was a thing. And now we're saying, well, look out for Bloomberg. Like, well, then why did anybody pretend to care about that other shit?
1: Well, the other interesting thing he's doing, which is crazy and really, really fucking smart but really awful is he's going to all of these big-money Democratic donors across the states, and he's courting them, and he's saying, back me, but I don't want your money. Mm-hmm. I just want you to not give to any other campaign, mm-hmm. which is tying up what would normally be the flow of money into the Democratic Party. He's saying, just save your money. right? Right? Don't donate to me, but don't donate to anybody else, and then I'll have your back in the end. So he's not only hurting other campaigns by having his own money he's also hurting the democratic party machine by shutting down high donor high donors high value donors which Mm -hmm. is again very strategic and very smart and he has the best democratic operatives in the country working for him because he can pay them um but it comes down to that money and and that is it is really like a stark thing to look at to just watch someone buy it and that's what he's doing right now he's just buying it
0: yeah yeah Yeah, and again, that has a shelf life, I think, because...
1: I don't know that.
0: uh, Well, ultimately, don't you have to be a candidate? Even if you're grotesque and evil, like, you have to have something that moves and motivates people outside of knowing how to play the game and spending a lot of money, which, granted, Bloomberg has got both those on lockdown. He's a very crafty, wily politician. I will give him that. And he's got a shitload of money. I'll give him that. But, like... To to win a nomination and win a presidency, you got there, there's got to be something there. That's
1: the thing is I don't know if that's true. Oh, well, I don't know if it is because I think if
0: just generic if you just rich take,
1: yeah, if you just take the finest and brightest minds in the Democratic Party and tell them that money is no object, what do we do? All of the money that you could ever need, no call time, no bullshit, none of it. Mm-hmm. Just focus on strategy, fuck policy. All the money in the world, what do you do? We're learning that this is what you do and it's working and he's not giving interviews he's not going on meet the press he's not doing any press he's not doing any anything because he doesn't want to have to answer questions about his past which is what we're going to talk about in a second Mm -hmm. so he's literally just running as a billboard he's Mm -hmm. doing the thing that it doesn't matter who the candidate is it just matters that they have enough money to put their face in front of enough people and he doesn't have to do press. He doesn't have to do anything.
0: Right. That's why a lot of the, just old, the old heads are excited about his candidacy. Yeah. Like, Oh, he's doing this right. Look out. And I mean, if that's the case, well, you talk about voter apathy and, and turning off a generation of voters and we'll get into all that. And it, because it's not just, he's a rich guy. Nope. He sucks. Okay. And okay. that's what we're going to get into yes. now.
1: Yes. And I'm going to preface this by saying something that maybe made may, people mad, but I, Once we get through with this, I'll reiterate it and you may agree with me. If you make me vote for this man, if you make me vote for him against Donald Trump, if this man wins the Democratic primary for president amongst all of the people that we have to choose from, I will forever, I will do it, but I will forever withdraw from the Democratic Party. I will not be a Democrat anymore. If this is who we are, I'm not part of it. I'm done. I will unaffiliate myself so fucking fast. I will withdraw support. I will withdraw money. Like, I'm done. If this is who we are, if you make me vote for this man, because I don't want the end of the fucking Republican world to happen, I'm done with the Democratic Party. Done. And, like, I'm not kidding around. That's, I'm it. that's it. I'm out.
0: And if that's us saying that... Right. Think about all the the people we've been trying to strong arm and hold on for dear life and say, no, don't abandon us. Don't go third party. Don't think. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But I'm done. I'm not kidding. I will. I will never be affiliated with the Democratic Party ever again.
0: We have been begging our peers not to give up on the party and begging and pleading and holding on for dear life. And then you do this. That's it. Like. I'm out. I mean, even if we wanted to hang on, it would be useless.
1: Yeah. Because we just showed who we are. If we have a Bernie and a Warren and like we have real people that have a real
0: goodness to Even them. Biden for all his flaws. Biden.
1: He Bloomberg makes me love Biden and I want to give him a <laughs> hug and let him touch me weird. All right.
0: <laughs> well, you'd do that regardless.
1: I mean he would, but I'd let him at this point. And I was like, Ugh, kind That's of gross, a really but it's good fine. Point. I got
0: to say, remember a couple weeks ago, we were kvetching about Bernie and conventioning about Biden and conventioning about Pete. It's like, man, does Bloomberg make all those guys look great. Oh,
1: God. I'll have them over for dinner. <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be great.
0: <laughs> so it's true, though. But Bloomberg is terrible. We're not just
1: talking about a rich guy. No. OK, so here's an article I'm going to read parts of from GQ. This is offense number one. Mm-hmm. And hardly the, the least of, of them, or hardly the worst. So, the surging Democratic presidential candidate uh, have fielded nearly 40 sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuits over decades, from 64 of his employees. In December 2015, employees at Every Town for Gun Safety, the gun control organization funded by Mark, Mike Bloomberg, arrived at work to find a holiday gift on their desks from their employer, the former mayor's 1997 autobiography, Bloomberg by Bloomberg. (laughs) Flipping through the book, staffers found themselves uncomfortably reading their billionaire founder's boasts about, quote, keeping a girlfriend in every city and other womanizing exploits as a Wall Street Mm up-and-comer. And a few people started to immediately going through it and sending the cringiest parts around on email chains, one former Everytown employee told me. Hardly the most controversial things he's said, but it's still a bad look. Mm -hmm. Indeed, Bloomberg's casual boasts about his sex life in his own autobiography are now some of the least problematic parts of his candidacy for president. Um, And then they talk about stop and frisk, which we're going to get into in detail later. Mm -hmm. So, um, Bloomberg sexism, like that of fellow New York City billionaire Donald Trump, have been prolific and well-documented, but for some reason the stories about him don't seem to have taken hold. He's being embraced by the Democratic establishment as a viable option for the presidential nominee. He surged to third place in several 2020 polls this week. The Democratic National Committee changed its rules to allow him to participate in the next primary debate, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said his presence in the primary is, quote, a positive one. Swear to God, y'all, if you make me vote for this man. All this despite what's already been reported and alleged for decades about his behavior. As a recap, here are some examples. Sakiko Sakai Garrison, a former sales representative at Bloomberg, alleged in a 1997 lawsuit, one of four separate lawsuits in a two-year period, that when then-CEO Mike Bloomberg found out she was pregnant, he told her, kill it, and great, number 16, an apparent reference to the number of pregnant women or women on maternity leave at his company. Mm. She also alleged that when Bloomberg saw her engagement ring, he commented, quote, why is the guy dumb and blind? Why the hell is he marrying you? and then pointed to another female employee and told Garrison, quote, if you looked like that, I'd do you in a second. Ugh. Bloomberg denied having said most of those things, but reportedly left Garrison a voicemail saying that if he did say them, he didn't mean it that way.
0: <laughs> he didn't mean it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Bloomberg once described his life as a single billionaire bachelor in New York City to a reporter as being, quote, a wet dream. Quote, I like theater, dining, and chasing women, he said. On a radio show in 2003, he said he would really want to have Jennifer Lopez, which he later explained away as wanting to have dinner with her.
0: Uh, uh,
1: a top aide does said, any of this sound familiar? Top eight said Bloomberg frequently remarked nice tits upon seeing attractive women. Employees of his in 1990 put together an entire booklet of some of his more egregious comments, including, and this is my favorite one, quote, if women wanted to be appreciated for their brains, they'd go to the library instead of Bloomingdale's. And of the computer terminal that made him a billionaire, quote, It will do everything, including give you oral sex. I guess that puts a lot of you girls out of business.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: More recently, he defended his longtime close pal, Charlie Rose, who was fired from CBS and PBS in 2017 after multiple women alleged that he made unwanted sexual advances Mm -hmm. on his female colleagues and subordinates. Mm -hmm. Quote, The stuff I read about is disgraceful. I don't know how true all of it is. I never saw anything, and we have no record. We've checked very carefully. (laughs) He then took the opportunity to cast doubt on the Me Too movement as a whole, saying the public should, quote, let the court system decide whether a man is guilty. You know, is it true, he said? You look at people that say that, but we have a system where you have presumption of innocence is the basis of it. He didn't give men of color the same benefit of the doubt in 2015 when he was recorded as saying that minorities were arrested at disproportional rates quote, because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhoods because 95% of your murders and murderers and murder victims fit one MO. Rose, Charlie Rose, coincidentally, had once described his constant banter with Bloomberg about women in the office, which they shared in the 90s, as a, quote, locker room thing. The mm. same defense Trump used to excuse his having boasted about grabbing women by the pussy.
0: Can I, can I interrupt you for another second? Yeah. I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but I was jock. Yeah. And I was in a lot of locker rooms. Yeah. And there really was, I don't remember any talk about sexually assaulting women. There was definitely talk about like who we thought was hot and who we were going to ask out. And maybe if this one or that one puts out is like as bad as it would get. But the locker room talk was not like, I like to go up to women without their consent and grab them or fondle them or rape them. Right. That never occurred in any locker rooms I was in. So maybe I was just lucky.
1: Right, I mean, th- this is the thing that like it should be offensive to men. When it is to me, men who are rapists and sexual harassers go around saying this is what this all is men normal. do. Yeah, this all is men do this. I, if I were a man, I'd be like, "What the fuck, man? Don't lump me in with you. I don't do that. The men in my life don't do that. What's wrong with you, right?" Mm-hmm. But instead, we're just like, "I guess that is just what men do." That's
0: right. Boys will be boys, <clears throat> right?
1: So. If, if we nominate this man, one of the things that we're saying as a party is for all the kvetching and all of the, the shaming and all of the criticism we have for the president saying the exact same things, it's okay when our guy does it. Yeah. We don't care. Right. It's fine. Yeah. And it's not fucking fine with me. Yeah. It's not fine with me at all. No. It's not fine with me one bit. And if that's who we are, if we are just like, who cares, then I don't want to be a part of this party anymore. It doesn't represent me in any way. Secondarily, and I think this one is way worse and way more important, over the course of Michael Bloomberg's term as mayor of New York City, from 2003 to 2012, he oversaw an expansion of and supported the stop and frisk policy in New York City, which resulted in hundreds of thousands, no joke, per year of stops of primarily black men and men of color in New York City for nothing. The policy simply says you are allowed to stop anyone you want on the street and frisk them, right? Sort of a pat down. You're not allowed to technically get into their pockets, Uh, But you can use the back of your hands to pat them down on the front and back sides of their bodies. And if you feel any lumps or things that seem like weapons or drugs, then you're allowed to fully search them. Mm. This is such a violation of the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution and was ultimately ruled a violation of the Constitution. And he full throatedly supported this.
2: Mm.
1: Additionally, resulting in the death of at least one man that we know of. And we're going to talk about Khalif Browder for a minute. Do you remember him?
0: Yeah, I remember the name. i only need you to remind me of the full story.
1: Khalif Browder was 16 years old. He was stopped and frisked in New York City. Um, he didn't do any right. There's no crime being committed currently. There's no no crime that that they think he's committed. He just was stopped and frisked because he's a 16 year old black man. Mm-hmm. He was then charged with a crime and arrested. Um, There was no evidence that he committed any crime. Um, He was taken to Rikers Island um, and given a $3,000 bail. His family was unable to come up with $3,000, which I think is most families. Mm -hmm. He was in Rikers Island for three years on charges of crimes that he didn't commit. Two of those years were spent in solitary confinement. So you have a young black man, 16-year-old black man, black child, walking down the street in New York City, stopped and frisked by police officers, thrown in a hole by himself for two years, attempted suicide multiple times while in solitary confinement, was subject to tremendous amounts of abuse from the other inmates when he wasn't in solitary confinement and from officers when he was. After three years... He was released from prison, all charges were dropped, and he was just like, oh, yeah, I guess he didn't do that, bye. Three years in prison in Rikers Island, right? One of the notoriously bad prisons, right? And then he killed himself when he got out. So Michael Bloomberg is directly responsible for a policy that killed at least one black teenager mm-hmm. because some cops know. decided to fucking harass him because that's what the policy is. Yeah. So he's been getting a lot of shit about this, and he comes out with this bullshit, half-hearted apology that, you know, he should've, he should've, he should've, and he didn't end it until too late, and he's, you know, he's having a sorry. And, like, that's supposed to be enough? We're just supposed to be like, oh, it's fine. So, like, for example, in the year 2011, while he was still the mayor... The practice of stop and frisk reached an all-time high of well over 600,000 people stopped in one year.
0: That's more than half a million.
1: Nine out of every 10 people stopped were completely innocent.
0: Of course And the vast
1: and overwhelming majority of them were black and brown men. So he defended, supported, and kept in place a policy that is racist and unconstitutional and now he expects my party, the Democratic Party, the party of anti-racism and Black Lives Matter, to just say, well, he said he's sorry. It's fine. I bet he's different now. This isn't like in the 80s. Yeah. This is a couple of years ago. As recently as 2015, he was on record as saying, yeah, we absolutely targeted. Minority communities, because that's where the crime happens. Those are the criminals. So we sent the cops in there and we forced them to stop and frisk these men. And that's where crime happens. So for
0: those of you that don't know, Mike Bloomberg for many years was a Republican. Then he changed to an independent when, you know, he felt the wind shift. And now he's running as a Democrat. And this wasn't like Elizabeth Warren, because they bring up like when Warren was like a teenager, she was a Republican or something. Right. Because she's
1: from the Midwest and her parents were. And so what?
0: Right. And but when the Republican Party was completely different, just like Hillary was a they like to bring up that she was a uh, a Goldwater girl, you know, in the 60s. Right. Right. But no, like Mike Bloomberg was Republican like 10 years ago. Right. You know,
1: and poured some of his billions into a bunch of Republican oh, he campaigns. Does. he right. still does. He still does. Yeah. So. So when I say that. if you make me vote for this man in November, I will disavow the Democratic Party for the rest of my life.
0: And, you know, it's one thing I've noticed just to go off topic sort of for a quick second. I've noticed in the last few days, the Fox News sphere, Republican Twitter sphere is getting nervous about Bloomberg. And they're starting to pile on, and I'm like, "Great, please Just wound him, Just destroy him, yeah, Just hop on, go ahead." <laughs> I'm all for it. Fox News excoriate Bloomberg. Talk about those soda bands, you know, whatever you think it's going to take. Well, it's not the soda bands that'll hurt him in the primary, but you know, yeah, like, but and, and I mean, people got really mad at Don Jr. Well, oh, this guy likes stop and frisk. Stop and frisk is terrible because, you know, the Trumps love stop and frisk of and course. how hypocritical it is. But you, you know what? Yeah. Pile it on, man. We don't want this guy. You can have him. Yeah. See, <laughs> he's him back. Yeah.
1: Take him back. I don't want anything to do with this motherfucker. I want nothing to do with him. Even here in Denver, you can tell how much his money is influencing things. We drove by his uh, campaign office in downtown every day and it is taking up basically an entire city block. Yeah. Um, which is, I don't even know how much that would be in rent in downtown Denver, but tens of thousands a month.
0: Yeah, just to, to for it's contrast... An empty
1: campaign office. For
0: contrast, Bernie's is like a little bit in the suburbs and it's like half the size and it's like an and like a strip mall, rec center or something yeah. in a strip mall. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, what was I going to say? Well, here's one thing that Bloomberg is doing that the, the savvy um, you know, strategists are not, um, when you see the Bloomberg ads, they're not talking about policy or they're just attacking Trump. Yeah. And that's working. And what have we been hearing for months and months and months? Oh, when we talk to voters, they don't want to hear about how bad Trump is. They want to talk about jobs and health care. No. No, this is this election is a referendum on Trump and we want to beat Trump and we hate Trump's guts. So it should not be surprising that he's taking the lane of I fucking hate Trump and I'm going to troll him and I'm going to make fun of him and I'm going to talk about what an evil pig and bastard he is. And guess what? That is resonating with people. And they've all been scared to go there. They've all been like, no, you don't want to hear about how bad Trump is. Right. You want to hear about my, my health care plan. Here's my very detailed health care plan that you absolutely will not read. Like, and,
1: like, I don't care about your health care plan if you don't get elected. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm scared for the fate of our republic. I'm, I want health care, yes. And does. I like that you have a plan about health care, and I want you to have a plan, and I want it to be detailed. And, and that's
0: why Bloomberg... That's why his political instincts are better than the rest of the field and why he's got a shot, unfortunately. Well, he's running right?
1: this. He's running in the world of this year, and everyone else is still running like we're in a normal
0: well, election. Well, they're, they're also not seeing the full chessboard because I'm sure when pollsters go out to the field— and ask people, well, what do you care about most? They're like, oh, I care about these important issues because, you know, like I want to sound like I'm a very thoughtful, reasonable voter. But like at their core, what moves them? We have to beat Trump. I yep. hate Trump. Yeah. And Bloomberg gets that, yep. and nobody else does.
2: Yep. Right.
0: I mean, I mean, they'll they'll go after Trump, but it's all couched in like this is why my plan is better these are my plans let's hear about my plans right for this and that and this thing you say you care about yes but what they care about and what moves them what motivates them I what remember gets them excited
1: in 2016 when we were canvassing um, the the policy back then because nobody thought he could win mm-hmm. was don't talk about Trump <laughs>
0: yeah
1: don't talk about Trump talk and- about our candidate,
0: right? Talk about our candidates. Talk
1: about our candidate and our plans. And And how many
0: doors did we did answer and just say, are you, are you for or against Trump? We're against Trump. Great. You got my vote. Right.
1: I mean, lots of them, right? Lots and lots and lots of them, particularly when we were in communities of color, particularly in the Latino communities Mm -hmm. in Colorado. Um, so many people would just go Trump and we'd go, no. And they go, okay, well, who's your guy? Like, give Mm -hmm. me the thing. And that's fine. Because they're fucking terrified, as they should be, which we're going to get to in a minute. Um. So yeah, I, I, you know, there's always been this sort of like, don't go negative. Let's let's run a positive campaign, right? This idea that people that voters don't like negative campaigns, they don't like smear campaigns, and <laughs> they
0: don't like money in politics. They don't like money in politics. Stop. And like,
1: okay, maybe that was true, but.
0: Or maybe they say it, or maybe they they even think it. we're
1: not in the normal times.
0: Well, you also have to go beyond what people say and understand what actually moves them and motivates them. That's my point. Right. And that is where Bloomberg has more savvy and insight into how voters operate, uh, because he's a soulless politician. (laughs) He's a snake. Well,
1: and I also think it's because, going back to this matters, like, he has swooped up all the best talent in the country Mm -hmm. with money. And not all of it. There are some principal people who are still working for Warren and for, for Bernie, and you know um, that are, would never work for him. But you know, a lot of the most like savvy, just straight operatives, just like how do we win an election? I don't really give a shit about. Like we know a couple of those that even like work for Republicans sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: That just like I I don't care about that as much. I just I care about winning an election. Those guys are working for him, mm-hmm. and so. That's where a lot of this strategy is coming from. And unfortunately, right now it's working.
0: So, It's working to a point. That's another thing. I think we're getting carried away calling Bloomberg. Like Bloomberg is not the front runner. He's, He's moved up to third place in one national poll that was recent. And he was ahead by a point in one Florida poll. And other than that... It's not like he's taken over the party, but it, no. it's disturbing enough that he's showing he, a pulse.
1: It is because he's just like out of nowhere, right? Like he yeah. just was like, I'm going to be the president. And then everyone's like, sounds good. Um, but
0: it's again, the momentum that's terrifying. But again, I go back to Biden. Remember for months and months we're like, Biden's a front runner. Biden's a front runner. Biden's a front runner," And we're like, well, we don't think it's going to last. And then, you know. Well, the pundits are like, no, 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 they actually really like Biden. And we're like, for what? Right. He doesn't really have a platform other than, hey, I was Obama's boy. Like.
1: Right. But then actual voters voted. And somebody said the other day that I didn't look up, but believe um, because they did some research and posted some things in a presidential primary. Joe Biden has never gotten more than fourth place every time he's run for president. He is. He's a shitty candidate.
0: He's a fine running mate.
1: He got pulled into the national spotlight by b- being chosen as the vice president, but mm-hmm. on his own, he's never done better than fourth in any primary he's ever run in. Yeah, he's not so, a good
0: candidate because he puts his foot in his mouth. And he touches
1: people weird, and he's just kind of a weird guy. Yeah. And he's not, he's just a loose cannon sort of with his mouth, and he's also now he's really fucking old. But he's and, not done
0: yet either, and I'll get to that no. in a second.
1: But anyway, that's my two cents on Bloomberg. You know, and I think telling people of color, especially at this moment, to vote blue no matter who, if it's fucking Bloomberg, like, we're fucked. Bloomberg's not going to beat Trump, because black people do not want to vote for this man.
0: You know what, I I would sort of disagree with that. I think black people are more pragmatic. They are. And they would rather hold their nose and vote for Bloomberg than deal with more Trump.
1: I agree, but I mean, the disenfranchisement, disillusionment I, these think it, I think communities are just—it's going to be extraordinary.
0: Sure, but I, I think more people who are who are bound to possibly sit out are our people.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But I just mean like we're we're doing very serious damage to the party if we elect this man, and not just because of me. I will vote for him if I am forced to vote for him. I will fucking do it. Obviously, yeah. But, but... like, I will hate you all forever, and that's me. I can't imagine being somebody living in New York City, right? Who has, who has experienced the effects of his policies and then being asked to vote for him for president. That is an insult.
0: Can uh, can we switch gears and talk about Bernie for a second? Sure. Because...
1: Boy, uh, the establishment does not know what to do with what's happening. The media is just like, let's talk about who else kind of got close.
0: Well, the, <laughs> it's very overrated that the power the establishment has anymore. Yeah. You know, Uh
1: which, I mean, the way the media is talking about it, it's like he's losing, but he just keeps like basically winning. And they're just like, well, but, you know, well, what about that, Klobuchar? That, and you're like, I mean, OK, but like she's third.
0: Well, that's because <laughs> he's like old news already. <laughs> like he's, it feels like he's been doing this forever because he has. But what I wanted to say about Bernie was, yeah, he's he's the front runner right now. Yeah, absolutely. And he he sort of won Iowa depending on, right. you know, which metric you want to look at. And he he won New Hampshire, although it was close, mm-hmm. uh, much closer than it was in 2016. Which to me isn't isn't all that um, significant the way right. people are making out to be. I he don't think he it won, matters, but yeah. and he's probably going to win Nevada, despite the spat with the Culinary um, Union, Union mm-hmm. who are not as all powerful as people think.
1: Mm, in Nevada, they are. Well, oh,
0: they're very powerful, but they're not like you know life or death. Um, y- there's plenty of people that vote in Nevada that are not in the fucking culinary union.
1: But it's not just... It's like... you Don't spat with any union because then all the union members are like, fuck you, right? Uh,
0: I would think so, It's but a pretty...
1: It's a, I would say Nevada is
0: the one Nevada, state where it is yeah. the most
1: powerful lobbyist, lobbying I, group or like endorsement group. Yeah,
0: despite that, I think Bernie's still going to win.
1: Yeah, could be. Very um, easily could be.
0: But here's the problem. Bernie... And to a much bigger extent, his surrogates and certainly his our most ardent supporters have no idea how to be a frontrunner. runner. That's and we, right. We've talked about this before. Yeah. And this is what scares me about them, um, and because I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of pundits, right, and a lot of uh, mainstream types who are just starting to dig into Bernie Bernie world. Anyway, well, what, what are they doing fighting with the culinary union right. and sending threats to, right. you know, why are they so hostile and why don't they want to build coalitions? Right. And it's like, okay, you obviously don't know enough Bernie people right. and you haven't been on Bernie Twitter enough, right. and Bernie Facebook. Yeah. And let me tell you what's going on there. Not with all, in fact, it's a minority of Bernie supporters, but enough of them to make noise. Um, they don't want coalitions. Right. They don't want to join with the former Hillary people, or the people they think are centrist, or the people they think are not pure enough. <laughs> they have they've diluted themselves into into a couple schools of thought. The first school of thought is we have to stay very pure. Like they're not actually reaching out. I'm talking about this very core group of like the most ardent, hardcore, twenty five to thirty percent Bernie yeah. Bro Bros, right? And, unfortunately, his main surrogates, it seems like. Like, they don't want us to join their ranks because we are not pure enough for them. And if we did, it would pollute their message too much and dilute it and, and maybe bring in undue influence of gross centricism, centricism and pragmatism. And Or, like, we
1: want to talk about black people and gay people and women, and they're just like, no, it's about class only.
0: Right, right. It. For, well, it could Completely. be for whatever, but they don't want mm-hmm. the... Because their belief is... There are all these people who don't participate in politics, but they would. All these young people and these people who don't participate would now show up if we had this super pure, ultra socialist uh, class warfare message. Yes. Right? Yes. That's what they believe. Now, if you can convince them, like, no, that's not happening, then they say, that's okay. We will lose. We'll have more Trump and we'll take the Susan Sarandon angle and then the revolution will start because things will get so bad. And then it's like, first of all, in what universe do you think that's a possibility? And secondly, that's really easy for you to say because all those people would can hunker down and survive that. At least they think they could, right?
1: We're already seeing that. These are the same exact people from 2016 who have yeah. said, it doesn't matter. If we don't get our way, then fuck it. We're not compromising with anybody. Right. We'll just lose and you'll see. Yeah. And boy, are we seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's not pretty. We have children in concentration camps. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there the effects of that are all we are currently experiencing it right now today. And maybe we've all gotten immune to it or whatever, but like we can't have more of this. It's only going to get worse. Oh, it would get so much worse. It's, it is already getting worse. It's getting so much worse. Yeah, we worse. haven't
0: even talked about the Department gonna of Justice We're going to talk
1: yet. about that and we're going to talk about the militarized people coming into sanctuary cities. But
0: but it, so to explain what's going on in Bernie world with these people that seem to be trying to deep six his chances to be a front runner and walk away with the nomination that's why. They don't want a coalition.
1: And the other faction of them that they're just anti-establishment is their ideology.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's not even really about class warfare or about His policies really, it's about we hate the establishment, we hate the Democratic Party, we want to fight, we want to fight, and we want to be scrappy, and we're the underdog. And like, we know how to do that, we know how to be the victim, right? We know how to be like, we are being, you know, persecuted by this big, monstrous machine that is the Democratic Party, but we're not a part of that, we're a part of our own thing, and like. We're going to take them down. And it's like, well, OK, I understand there's a lot of problems within the Democratic Party and the mm-hmm. C and all that. But once you have the nomination <laughs> for the Democratic Party, then you're the head of that big machine. Right. And you need them to well, win. I've been, I've
0: been thinking about this a lot. In, in like do they want to win? Envisioning Bernie the nominee. Right. Yeah. And. What Bernie, the nominee, will do, because Bernie actually does want to win, and he's a little more savvy than the people he surrounds himself with, Mm -hmm. um, he will jog to the middle. He will absolutely tack to the center. Not on everything, but he will. And I was thinking like, oh, that's going to drive him crazy. And it's like, no, they're sycophants. They'll excuse it away. Yeah, They'll be like, oh, no, he's just doing what he has to do, and that's not so bad. And it's like, okay.
1: But he's going to have to embrace the Democratic Party and the establishment. And he's going to have to yeah. listen to Some them, of them and take grumpy, their money. For, sure. for yeah. sure. I think a lot of them are going to be very grumpy with him. Um, but those like, he wants to win legitimately. He wants to be the president to do good things. I believe that's true. I think
0: he'll have to start doing that after Nevada. Yeah. And that's going to be weird. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Department of Justice uh, and then whatever else comes the to mind. The terrifying
1: fascism that is coming. Yes. Okay. You're
0: right back. Moni, we got several things that pissed Rachel off during the break.
2: (laughs) Yes. So she's
0: like, should we talk about in real time the Mike Bloomberg commercial we're watching on TV right now? Just like without sound, it's really interesting, right? It's just images. There's a boxing ring. Mm -hmm. Then there's like a black person and and a white person. There's actually Bloomberg's face, which is the first I've seen in a while.
1: Trump is suddenly scared of bombing. (laughs) Mike Bloomberg is going to go rounds with him. But if you, watch,
0: if you watch TV for any extended part of time, it's probably at least two or three Bloomberg ads an hour. Yeah. I finally saw a Bernie ad the other day. Oh, I
1: haven't. Yeah,
0: it's just standard shtick, you know, I don't watch young people excited. Um, it was fine.
1: You watch games, so you watch commercials. I don't watch TV very often because I don't watch commercials. Yeah. I don't like Netflix and shit, but
0: yeah. Well, well during the day, the days <clears throat> I'm um, at home, because I'm working weird hours on my shifts, um, I have MSNBC on a lot when I can stomach it during the day. Mm-hmm, it's not which a lot, is horrible. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of there's a ton of ads there too. Of course, So
1: that's their target. Yeah. So before we get into more heady stuff, which we will get into, um, I want to talk about the guy on the plane.
0: The what? The guy on the what?
1: Guy on the airplane. Okay. So this has been quote dividing Twitter. Uh, for the last couple of days, it's apparently divisive, although nobody that I follow is on a different side than I'm on. There's this guy, he's on a Delta flight, and he's sitting in the very last row of the plane (laughs) in the aisle seat. Yeah,
0: this is about the person with the seat back.
1: So, in the very last aisle, right, on the plane, your seat doesn't recline because there's a wall behind you, right? And that's the shittiest part of the plane to be on, but that's also just how life works and so there's this woman who's in uh there's a guy in the aisle seat and there's a woman in a seat in front of him and she reclines her seat and guy in the last aisle of the plane doesn't have the opportunity to recline his seat Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and he is so enraged (laughs) by the fact that she reclined her seat that he proceeds to just punch her seat over and over and over again and she asks him to stop, and he won't. So she just starts recording him.
0: Can I can I ask for some clarification? Fully,
1: he has his tray table out, is working, and like ours, has a computer or whatever, and is just punching her seat.
0: Wait, hold on. Can I, I need a little clarification? Sure. If this is in the article, like- it's not an
1: article. It's a video.
0: Okay, on. all right. Well, for the video, was was the seat reclined in such a way where his like laptop was getting smushed, or shit was getting knocked over, or like the tray table was like being pushed into his no. midsection? No,
1: you haven't watched the video. No, oh, I haven't. Yeah. It's so just, you need to
0: describe what. What's no. Going so there's just here. this guy,
1: and he has his head down, and he's got headphones on, and his uh-huh. tray table's out, and he's got his laptop, and he's just doing this, punching at the head of her seat over and over and over again, and she's just like recording it from here, just like this enraged man baby just punching her seat over and over again and you can just see her But seat just to be clear like back and forth
0: her seat being pushed back was not impinging <clears throat> on whatever he was doing doesn't appear to because be. i've had like like i'm not saying in his defense i'm just saying i've been in a situation where like i'll have my tray table out and a drink and then someone just like just throws their seat back and like my i have to catch my drink to keep it from spilling or my laptop falls in my lap like I just want to be sure that that didn't happen.
1: I don't know what happened before the video started. Okay. But it appears from the video that he's just sitting there with his tray table extended. He's uh-huh. not like punching into his gut or anything. Okay. And he's just got his headphones on and his head down. His head is nowhere near her seat. It right? just
0: changed the angle of what he was doing and it pissed him off, basically. Is what, is he's,
1: what he's mad doing. that she can recline her seat and he can't.
0: Oh, right, right. Okay, it's like the student loan people, right? Like nobody should have their student loan repaid because I didn't have mine repaid. Right. Right.
1: And so he is aggressively punching her seat in the head position, right? Just in the head. (laughs)
0: Like he's a five-year-old. Just punching her
1: in the head like a five-year-old over and over and over again. Yeah,
0: which I've had that too. So
1: this video gets posted to Twitter and it's like, this is dividing Twitter. What do you think?
0: Oh, I'm sure there were some people out there that were just like, oh, he's in the right, you know?
1: Yeah, a lot of people. And then there's the rest of us who are women who live in the world. Right. I can guarantee you two things. Had he not been a white man, that would be considered extremely aggressive and violent behavior and he would have been removed from the plane.
0: Yes. There
1: would be no internet argument. No. It would just be this violent, aggressive man is hurting someone and intentionally causing them discomfort and being aggressive.
0: Well, let let me put it this way. If it was me, and I've been in the situation where I'm trying to work or I'm trying to enjoy a book, and someone puts their seat back so far that like I can't, like I might seats don't
2: go back that far.
0: I I I, typically no, Uh, but some planes are really badly designed. Right as far as the seating, what I would do is I would kind of lean forward and be like, hey, hey, I'm sorry, I'm trying to like get some work here. Like, don't have any room. Would you mind? you know, maybe not reclining so much. Like I might say something like that. Yes. I think I have maybe once or twice.
1: I've been on a lot of planes recently and my seat doesn't recline more than about like three inches. inches. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like instead of sitting with my most perfect posture, I can sit back about two inches and it feels like, I don't know, I'm sitting less straight up.
2: Yeah. So it's not
1: like you can't even recline your seat far enough to really impinge on someone else. He's just mad that she can recline her seat and he can't because he got the last seat on the shitty plane. And the number of people that are defending him is atrocious. And then the number... Like, I just keep hearing from all these women that I follow, and they're just like, this is the perfect example of male entitlement to public space. Yeah. So, a woman took up the allowable amount of space that was paid for by her and given to her in a public space, right? She has this seat. It reclines two inches, and she took up her public space.
0: And he couldn't stand it.
1: And he lost his fucking mind. How he old is He couldn't stand it. He's in his 30s, probably. Yeah. Um.
0: No, he's a dick. There's no argument there. I, I'm just, like, speaking for the whole... The flying experience is fucking terrible. So let's just let's just get that out of the way. And me personally, I prefer that back seat because you're right next to the bathroom and like you don't you like it's it's super easy to get there. You're the first one to get served a drink. Um but yeah, your seat does not recline. That's that is the one drawback. But like, yeah. Um I love having that seat. <laughs>
1: I mean, you're the last one to get off the plane, which totally you're sucks. You're the last
0: one to get off the plane. If you're not in a hurry, it's not that big a deal. You just keep reading your book or you can, you know, now you have internet once you've landed, so you'd surf the web for 10 minutes, you know. Um, I don't mind having the back seat of the plane at all. Clearly this guy was not happy about it to begin with, I guess.
1: But it's not funny to me okay, and to women. It's really not. It's not an acceptable thing to do. It's not okay. And it's not debatable that it's okay.
0: Well, did she ta- And it's not
1: about the fucking if you like the seat or if it's an okay seat or it's not about that.
0: Did she turn around to tell him to stop?
1: Yes, and when he wouldn't, she started recording him. God,
0: what an asshole. Now, did the flight attendant do anything? Not or? to my
1: knowledge. I don't have any updates on this.
0: Mm.
1: No updates that I can find have been spread around anywhere. It's just the argument about whether or not this is acceptable behavior for to happen on an airplane or in public in general. If you're having... Like, she did not do something outside of what she's allowed to do.
0: No, of course not. That's, like... She just deal.
1: bought an airplane seat and reclined it the two inches she's allowed to recline it, or four inches, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then was basically, like, assaulted from behind by this angry white man, and there's debate about whether that's acceptable or good. And that is really upsetting for women, because it's like... Okay, so, so my literal, physical safety in a public space is up for debate. And it is wildly being debated on Twitter of whether or not that's acceptable. That's terrifying. This man felt he had; was aggrieved in some way, he was having a mad, and he's just allowed to act out in this very aggressive way, and people are like, well, did he have a right to act out in this very aggressive and violent way? Is his anger... And his entitlement, does that make it okay or not? Does his anger at his own situation in life make it okay for him to punch the back of a woman's seat because she's a little bit better off than he is? Is it okay or isn't it okay? That that's a public debate that we're having is really upsetting. Mm. That it's not just like, obviously this is not okay. What is happening here? Why is this guy still on this airplane? Why is he not being reprimanded? Why is no one doing anything? That we're having a public debate about whether or not his rage at a situation that he himself put himself in, at a woman who did zero things wrong, is just existing in public, we're having a debate about whether it's okay that he's assaulting the back of her chair. That's upsetting.
0: I have not followed it enough on Twitter, but I would really like to know if, you know, the flight attendants did anything about this. They told him to cut it out or, or...
1: And I think it's... Interestingly upsetting, and I'm not trying to attack you for this, but I do think that the the beginning of this conversation was entirely started by you with "What are? how can I justify his behavior?
0: No, right? I was yeah. not trying to justify his behavior. I was just trying to get a. Well, what a, did
1: she do to deserve I was, it? Did she knock his drink over? Was no, she. Rejo- was we're no, too far? Was stop. She, that's how it feels. But
0: I, I'm just trying to get a perfectly clear picture of what happened. That's all I'm saying. I'm like, it is entirely possible. In fact, it is seems that it is entirely probable, if not definite, that this guy was just an, an entitled jackass asshole. But they, the guy could have also had Asperger's and like all of a sudden something changed and he lost his shit. Like, I don't know, but I want what I wanted was a to sort of think about it and put it in perspective is to understand completely like what the situation was. <clears throat> right. And having not seen the video, I didn't quite understand
1: but what would the situation have to be to no, make no, no, it no, okay? They're,
0: they're, no, nothing. Right? Nothing. Nothing.
1: Is there ever a situation in which this is acceptable? No.
0: Okay. I'm just trying to understand what the motivation was. What, what might have set this dude off and what, how the whole thing happened. Right. That's, I am very big on like wanting to know the, the hows and whys and logistics and angles. <laughs> and I want to know all the things. So I, uh, so I have a clear picture of what happened. Like, there's no good reason for asshole to start. Like, and that's why I said, like, okay, if if this really upset me or impinged on me some way, this is what I would have done. Right. So that's not me saying it's okay what he did. This is me saying it's t- totally not okay or what like he did. Or like
1: searching for justifications for why he may have done it. Because there not, aren't any not to my, a my
0: justification. View. There's a difference between a justification and an explanation. It's like, you know, finding a motive for a crime does not mean it, it excuses the crime. Right? Mm-hmm. That's... So there's a big, big difference. Okay. Fair? Yeah. Okay.
1: But that's just saying. That's what it feels like. All right. And there's just a lot of that on man Twitter of just like, well... And then the, the sort of most egregious part of it is that Delta, because it's become such this like internet sensation, this video... Came out and said,
0: Don't recline you your seat should, or something?
1: You should ask permission before reclining your
0: seat. <laughs> yes, so Delta
1: fun. came down on the guy's side. <laughs> yeah, okay. The fucking now, multi-billion dollar corporation. Now I understand that
0: more because I did see that tweet and I didn't yeah. understand.
1: Yeah. like You should why ask did you permission to recline your seat.
0: Um, really?
1: What if it was a man reclining his seat and a woman was punching?
0: Or Delta, how about making planes where there's enough fucking room for people to be human beings? If
1: you're going to make a reclining seat, then you need to make enough space between the seats that I can recline it.
0: Yeah. Period. Yeah, no shit. It's yeah. not her
1: fault. Nothing about this situation is her fault. Of course not. None of it.
0: Of course not. Like, and that, that jackass from Delta... Oh, God. I mean, but they always do this. They're like, the, like air, PR air, manager airline PR, or whatever. Airline PR is just the worst. Like, they, you like, have
1: to, like, have failed out of every other PR <laughs> thing ever, and they're just, like, perfect. Yeah. We'll take you. It always
0: seems like... Perfect. Okay, somebody's mad at us. How do we make everybody mad at us? Right. And then they do it.
1: Let's chime in on this, but how can we be wrong? <laughs>
0: yeah, always.
1: How can we justify
0: how can we, how can we blame, something
1: terrible and blame it on the non-blameable person? How can we
0: blame the mom for destroying her like baby stroller, right? How, how can, can we, we blame, blame the musician for cracking their... Priceless guitar And have
1: How can we blame The dog owner For their dog dying Right Exactly How can we blame The black woman For dressing perfectly Reasonably on a trip To Miami But getting pulled Off the plane For being too slutty? How
0: can we blame The doctor For not giving up A seat And getting the shit Beat out of him And dragged off the plane
1: How can we blame The wrong party That's like That's airline PR 101
0: <laughs> Yeah it's amazing Yeah But that's We've gone way Off the uh, beaten path here Yeah um, What else did you Want to get to That pissed you off
1: Well, do you want to talk about the Fashion Institute bullshit?
0: Man, that was weird. And it's from the New York Post, so I sort of took it with a grain of salt, but I read the whole thing, and it's a little confusing. And I just have a... And again, I'm not playing devil's advocate. I just have some questions. Did you you read the entire article? I did, yes. Um, Like, when I first saw that, and I saw the awful getup that they were making her wear... I was like, okay, are they trying to make some kind of message, like that racism is bad or something? No,
1: You what? read the whole article, right? Yeah, yeah. So what but, they, were... but they didn't
0: really explain themselves.
1: So here's the explanation. Is, Which I do
0: not think was an explanation, but go ahead.
1: So the guy who designed this piece was an FIT grad named Junkai Huang. Yeah. Observers said Wang, who is from China, did not appear to understand the racial overtones of his work. The original concept for highlighting, quote, ugly features of the body was the point.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I, I read that, but what is the excuse of the people who right, put on so the show? Right, so this, is, this is a college,
1: right? So this is, the, the FIT is, a, is a, an educational institution. It's not like right. some well, fashion
0: company. let's back up and explain, because we haven't explained right, okay, to so the listeners what this is all about.
1: Oh, God, it's really bad. Um an African American model at the Fashion Institute of Technology runway show says she was pressured to wear bizarre racist accessories like monkey ears and oversized lips. Yeah, like and big when you look plastic, at the picture,
0: like Mr. Potato Head stuff.
1: Ears. And then the yeah. lips came from a sex toy. That's like supposed to give you head, I guess. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just It is the, me, the
1: worst sort of like minstrel blackface, uh, over, oversized caricatures of. Um, well, black it's, people.
0: It's cartoonish. That's what I, w- I wanted to say. Cause That's, they showed the pictures and it's well,
1: minstrel, right? It's the minstrel show yes. version of
0: black people. And I remember I was talking to you off the air about how problematic Tom and Jerry was and yeah. those old school cartoons. And like, that was the kind of thing you would see. So I, when I saw that, I was like, are they making a statement about how, like r- about racist caricatures? No. And apparently not. No. And and I understand that the, the the student from China had his thing going, but what about the people who put on the show? Two
1: things. One, that's fine, but we don't live in a world where you being from China means that you do not ever know, understand, or get influenced by American racist culture. Of
0: course, of course. And so
1: I don't believe that he did not understand, or maybe not fully understood, but obviously to your point, could have had it explained to him that this is incredibly racist and Why?
0: Yeah. And I guess my question is maybe If you're talking
1: about the ugly parts of bodies and he's right gives this to a professor and says this is what I want to do. What you're saying is that the caricatures of black people are the ugly parts of the body that I want to showcase. Like the opportunity here for so many people to have stepped in before they asked a black woman to wear basically minstrel blackface makeup.
0: It's so bad. so
1: fucking bad. So she didn't do it. She refused. She was Apparently, incredibly harassed behind mm-hmm. the stage, they told her, "I don't give a shit. You can be uncomfortable for forty-five seconds. Right. You just have to walk. It doesn't matter." And she was just like, "Absolutely not. I'm not doing it." Mm-hmm. So the other models that were not black in the show did wear it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's awful. And then she stormed out of the show. And now they're trying to cover their tracks, like, "Well, we don't really know, and you know, we're looking into it." But it does seem like maybe the things that she's saying aren't true. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what you need to do other than look at what the models were asked to wear. There is no controversy. There's nothing to investigate. Yeah, That is racist. And she had every right to say that it was.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: fact that she was harassed backstage was backed up by another student who was back there who also went to the person and said, hey, this is a problem. 24 hours before the show, they pointed it out to their professors and they were just like, we don't want to stifle things because fashion can be f- provocative and we, won- we don't want to stifle people's creative freedom. And it's like, fuck you. You want to have somebody walk down the fucking runway in some Nazi gear because it's provocative and it's their free speech? No.
0: Or like a big Fuck exaggerated that. Jewish nose or something. Right. Like, yeah.
1: No. Have some black people walk down the fucking runway with a noose around their neck? Like, no, there are things that are provocative and then there are things that are just fucking racist.
0: Well, that's that. that was my question. Like, I wonder if somewhere along the line... The person running the show or the professor looked at it and thought, oh, well, this can mean uh, – this, this can be a commentary on, on racist tropes, right? Because like, so they do stuff like that in fashion. Um, but yeah, talk about at the very least horrible judgment and, and obviously racism. And, and, and to the point, as soon as the model said, oh, I'm not comfortable doing this, that should have been the end of the story.
1: As soon as a black person says to you, yo, this is really fucking racist, you go, oh, yeah, you're right. Never mind. Sorry.
0: Even if you don't agree.
1: It's not up to you to agree or
0: disagree. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't
1: matter what you think. It doesn't matter. You don't matter in this situation. So that was horrifying. Um,
0: Yeah, I was just I was thinking, like, why is the New York Post running this article? And I guess they, like, see the fashion world as their enemy or something. Who fucking cares? Right. Um, Occasionally they have some decent articles. But, yeah, that was eye-opening, and I sent it to you, because I'm like, oh, Rachel's going to have some mm. things to say about mm. this.
1: I just kept reading and going, what? What? And then you see the pictures, and you're like, holy fucking shit. So
0: that's two articles where I'm just so confused about everything. Like,
1: Why are... Why... Why, why are men? <laughs> right? Why are they? Why, I, I why America? I still can't figure out why we do these things. I don't know. Um... Okay, so before we do our last big segment that I'm going to let you take the lead on at the DOJ, I want to talk about the horrifying creep of fascism that's about to happen in uh, some really major American cities. Um, mm, yeah. And this is not like some conspiracy theory that I came up with to be alarmist, um, much as Josh would like to think that's true. This is happening, and it's from the New York Times. Border Patrol will um, deploy elite tactical agents to sanctuary cities. Agents from a special tactical team that normally confronts smugglers on the border are being sent to sanctuary cities across the country. An agent with the U.S. Border Patrol Tactical Unit known as BORTAC, an elite group that functions as essentially the SWAT of Border Patrol. Uh, (sighs) Wow, okay. Are um, So, sorry, the article just cut itself off. Um, they're being deployed to sanctuary cities across the country. Um, as part of a supercharged arrest operation in sanctuary cities, an escalation in the president's battle against localities that refuse to participate in immigration enforcement. The specially trained officers are being sent to cities including Chicago and New York to boost the enforcement power of local immigration and customs enforcement officers. According to two officials who are familiar with the secret operation, additional agents are expected to be sent to San Francisco, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Houston, Boston, New Orleans, Detroit, and Newark, New Jersey. Mm. The move reflects President Trump's persistence in cracking down on so-called sanctuary cities, localities that have refused to cooperate in handing over immigrants targeted for deportation to federal authorities. It comes soon after Justice Department and DHS announced a series of measures that will affect both American citizens and immigrants living in those places. There's more to the article, but it's it's a whole thing. Anyway,
0: what does that even look like? Does that I mean don't like know. tanks are going to bust down people's doors because they've overstayed their visas? Like what?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And Denver is a sanctuary city.
0: Yeah, I was surprised we weren't on that list. I, I, I that might be an oversight. I
1: don't think so. I think that. Denver is a place, Colorado is largely seen as a place that's sort of like, we're sort of known for our independence, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of guns and militias and people that wouldn't like that. Um,
0: well, that, well, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's, yeah. that's the next thing we want to talk about. Yes. You, but so
1: this is terrifying. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is that we're going to bring in federal agents into states and cities and enforce Big, heavily populated cities. Big, heavily populated cities with federal tanks or I don't know what kind of like militarized version. Yeah, of, like of armored,
0: armored, armored uh, military SWAT vehicles team, and tanks. and SWAT
1: teams to come invade cities and remove immigrants, contrary to state law and city ordinances. That's what we're talking about. And yeah. I don't know what that looks like, and it is, frankly, really scary to think about what that could look like.
0: And I'm sure that um, states' attorneys general and governors will, will fight this in court, but then, you know, but Trump that's will just say whatever. what We
1: need to fight it on the ground. Yes, exactly. And I don't know what that looks like either, but this is like, we're at the next level here of, of fascism, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's not just we're gonna to go to court and fight over whether you can have this immigrant or that immigrant. We're done with that. We're now using the brute force of the federal government to come in and militarily take over basically cities and remove brown people that they don't like.
0: Which is exactly the thing that the militias and the three percent type say they need all their weapons and why they have a militia to fight against. It is exactly what we're talking about. What we're talking about.
1: So if if you're a militia and your whole thing is, I need guns and weapons and all this preparation and these militias, this, this organized group of people, to prevent federal creep against states' rights.
0: Yes. And local rights. And
1: local rights. hmm And my community. And federal law enforcement has no place in my community, right? Then what I would like to see is all of the militias get off their fucking asses and go fight this SWAT team style military federal enforcement of federal laws against state and local regulations with their guns.
0: Hey Bundy clan. Instead yeah. of of taking aim at the uh, the, the
1: bird f- refugees? The
0: feds who want to charge you to let your cows graze on federal land, how about like keep the federal tanks and armored vehicles out of communities where they don't belong. Why don't you do that? We'd have your back if you did that. Yeah. I would
1: start to believe that you're not white supremacist organizations if you did that. We
0: might pick up a fucking rifle next to you.
1: Yeah. Come teach me to shoot a gun. I'll come with you. Let's do it.
0: Because this is what you say you're fighting against. What you say you need a militia for. It's here. What you say you need to be armed for.
1: And I agree with you right now. I agree with you that we need that right now. But
0: of course we're... we're, we're I being, need that.
1: We, But we, it's fucking here, though. I'm not... This is not a joke. They're going to...
0: But it is a joke because those people... No,
1: gonna, I mean, they're coming into our cities.
0: Yes, but the militia are on the side of the feds in this case.
1: But we have to... Okay, agreed. And that's why they're white supremacist organizations and they're fucking bullshit and mm-hmm. they should be called out for it and that is... Yes, but like... Since they don't have our back on this... This is happening. This is going to happen. And that yeah. is fucking terrifying. Yeah. They are going to bring basically martial law and, and bring federal troops essentially into the states to rip people from their homes. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to, to be more alarmist about it. Like that's what do we do? What do we do?
0: I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I don't know if this is one of these famous Trump, quote, orders that never happens. Uh, But if it does happen, what does it look like? Does that mean, like, you know, armored uh, tanks in Brooklyn? Like, that's not going to go well. People are going to be pissed off. Yeah. Like, we're talking like Tiananmen Square type shit could go down.
1: Yeah. Right. That's exactly right.
0: Which is, of course, what Barr and Trump want. Right, so they can up the ante even more, and right? Then we can, and then they
1: can we when an antifa into a very shows up, place. right? Yeah, which they will, we will. Then, then it's you know act.
0: Now we're terrorists. Now
1: we're terrorists against the state, mm-hmm. and we get rounded up with them. Yeah, and now we're at a whole. Do- I mean, this is not like hypothetical. This is what's happening or about to happen. And uh, yeah, you this know, this is a
0: much bigger story than it's given credence for. But again,
1: so I would recommend. I guess. Yeah. Um, do what you can on the ground if you can. And get in contact with some of your local um, immigrant and refugee organizations. And break the law. Hide people in your house. Put people where nobody's looking for them.
0: And put pressure on your local sheriffs and law enforcement yeah. and municipal forces. Yeah. Because they your don't mayors, have to go along with it. your
1: cities, your sheriff's departments... Your local cops. I mean, fucking. I know, but like, if.
0: Yeah. Some unfortunately,
1: of them. I think we're just gonna prove that all cops are bastards, and yeah. they're gonna they're gonna be like, yay, and the militia let's people have some more. Only fun. care
0: about white helping white people. Yeah. So
1: I think it's a really bad situation. So what I would say is, you know, help your neighbors hide your neighbors, find sanctuaries um, for them to go where people aren't looking for them, guard those places. Um, you know during like the Holocaust days that's what people did and they oh. were breaking the law by hiding their Jewish community members um, and we look at them today as heroes even though they were breaking the law so I'd encourage you to do the same um, reach out to those communities and see what you can do to help mm-hmm. um, and be on the ground to try to prevent this if you can Um and reach out to everybody in your local governments to uh, renounce it and see what can be done. But I'm uh, legit terrified. Like, it's it's a bigger story than people are taking uh, it for. And I'm worried Yeah. about the aftermath and, and the suffering and the harm that's going to come from this.
0: So, now switching gears to um, talking about Bill Barr and the Department of Justice. So... We had a lovely bit of kabuki theater the other day when Bill Barr sat down and gave an interview and said, oh, I, Trump's tweeting is making it really hard for me to do my job. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, oh, there's intrigue. There's, And then immediately there was a Trump statement being like, oh, it's fine. I'm not mad at Bill Barr for mm-hmm. saying that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. boy, this all seems very conveniently, mm-hmm. <laughs> conveniently, you know, strung oh, together.
1: Well,
0: yeah. And the media bought it. And I, for for a second even, I was like, Gee, I don't know. Like you know, Trump's ego usually doesn't allow him to g- take criticism, fake or otherwise. But yeah. like, if he was in on it, then yeah. 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 So basically, what's what's happened here is Trump encouraged Barr or ordered Barr to intervene. In the Roger Stone sentencing, which is seems mm-hmm. dumb to me anyway, because he's just going to pardon him, probably. Right. So, what does it matter what or commute a sentence? Right. So, what does it matter what he gets sentenced? Like, I guess the public perception of if he's not sentenced as badly, he doesn't seem as guilty. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I really don't understand, and I don't think Trump fully understands. I don't think he thinks. These I don't things think he through. Cares. No, and he just gives orders, and then you know people try to. Try yeah. to follow them.
1: Roger Stone makes me look bad, so give him a no sentence. Right, right,
0: yeah. right. And we can't look like we're going after him. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of uh, the prosecutors who were on the case quit the case. Uh, some of them quit the whole department. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Barr basically said, like, eh, you know, I, it, it's much easier to do this this corrupt shit if Trump doesn't brag about it is basically what he said. Right,
1: right. If the president would just shut up for a minute, we'd get away (laughs) with all this corruption. Yeah. But why does he have to make it public? And that's because he doesn't understand Trump, which is, it doesn't matter if you do a thing that makes me look better if I don't get to talk about it. Mm -hmm. If I don't get to flout my you know, flex my muscles and swing my dick around and be like, see, I got this to happen. And you're like, well, that's really corrupt. And he's like, I don't care. I still did it. I have power.
0: Well, so, well, that's that's one part where I, there, there could be potential conflict, if not now, then down the road is that no, Trump Trump wants to say, I am saying this and it needs to happen because that's the mm-hmm. whole point. Yeah. is for him to wield that power. Yes,
1: exactly. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. He wants... If it it does, It's useless to him for it just to be done. Right. He needs everyone to know he wielded the power to do it. Right. Even if it's illegal. He doesn't care because it makes him look powerful. It so, makes him feel good.
0: Assuming it wasn't all... Scripted and Barr was trying to send a message, it's not going to work, man. No. <laughs> you know? It'll get him to shut up for half a day, maybe? Right. And then all bets are off.
2: Yeah. You he know? doesn't
1: care what is sensible. Right? That argument's never going to work for him. Like, hey, man, this is really bad. You have to stop talking about this. Like, we can get it done, but you can't talk about it. He's like, no, then why would we do it? Right. Why would we do something if I can't, like, brag about it? Right?
0: Right. right. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know what Barr, if they if it was all scripted or if Trump just nodded and said sure but then didn't think about it I I don't really know, but it it sure seemed to be super quickly like copacetic one thing after another and then um, but the point is the larger point is that like it is now basically completely out in the open that Bill Barr is basically the Rudy Giuliani for Trump. Along with the real Rudy Giuliani, which is another story, was that Giuliani, even though he's under criminal investigation, uh, has now set up a pipeline hotline of dirt he's digging up from his Russian handlers about the Bidens in Ukraine, and he's funneling it directly to Barr. And that raised alarm bells, but there's nothing we can do about it.
1: So just so that we can drive this point home, though, I think it's important to remember that prior to the Trump administration— For the last 200 years,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. or however long since the Department of Justice was created. The Department of Justice is an independent agency under the executive branch. Supposed to be. But the president, the executive, does not, should not, cannot, ever does, right? At least publicly influence them about what to investigate or who to investigate or what to charge or who to charge. It's entirely it's supposed to be entirely independent from the president.
0: Yeah, and to be fair I think Obama rode that line with Holder a little bit too I much. Do too. And it pissed people off. I do too. It super pissed people yeah, off.
1: Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, not that there's not coordination, mm-hmm. right? But that you don't direct the attorney... The president directing the attorney general to do anything under any other presidency is... A scandal and a corruption and would be ferociously investigated. Yeah. And they're doing it just in the open. Just, well, I'm the president and he works for me, which is true, right? The attorney general does serve at the pleasure of the president, but in an independent way. Traditionally and right. supposedly. Um,
0: Remember, Alberto Gonzalez tried to do it under Bush. He tried to politicize the whole department and say only you yeah. know, Republican and Bush loyalists can be in the department. And then, right. and we caught him and it didn't fly. And he got forced out over that. He
1: did. And he did a whole bunch of I do not recall in front yeah. of Congress. But famously. now this is
0: a whole nother level.
1: No. And, and Barr isn't even saying I'm not influenced by the president, right? Yeah. He's not even saying that. He's just like, well, my boss told me. And you're like, that is not how this works. And like, this is one of those things that I think is becoming normalized. And a good example of why that's true is that Elizabeth Warren, who I voted for, by the way, so did thanks, I. thanks for early voting and mail-in ballots in Colorado, mm-hmm. um, Pat out an ad the other day that said, as president, I will dile- direct the Department of Justice to investigate the crimes of the Trump administration. And lawyers everywhere were like, full stop. <laughs> Please don't say that out loud. Yeah. That's not how this works. It's Just because he's doing it, we don't do that. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Yep. That's re- let's please not start doing that because re- that's I not how this that. works. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lawyer Twitter was like, oh, God, no, no. Like
0: that's more of the same.
1: Right. Just we, the other we, side of it. We can't just be like, well, this is how it works now. We're trying to reverse. But she's right. This.
0: It, you know, it, like, in a way I, I, I hate to admit it, but isn't she right? Isn't this the new world? Like, aren't all the norms gone? And now she she is forward-thinking and trying to live and improve the country in the new paradigm of what the world actually looks like?
1: Right. Because once you give a president power, once you give anybody power, you never get it back. Yeah. And so some of the damage that the Trump presidency, I think, will have proved to cause should we win the election in 2020, this year, um, the lasting damage of it is that the strengthening of the executive and the, the powers of the presidency, um, constitution, just rip it up because once you give somebody power, they're not, they're not going to give it back. And that includes people as principals as Elizabeth Warren. I don't think that now that we have a precedent for you just being able to do literally whatever the fuck you want, um, including enriching yourself and including mm-hmm. making executive orders and controlling the DOJ and like all this stuff. I think that now you go, well, it's bad when they did it, but now that I have the power, I'm going to use it for good. Right? Like that's how this works. That's yeah. how,
0: and I'm sure that's what Authoritarianism
1: sort of works is that you just get this idea that like, well, as long as our guys are doing it, it's okay. Cause they did it. So if I do it, I'll use it for powers of good. And then, you forget that the other guys are going to have power again someday and they're going to use it. And so then we get in this spiral and then eventually there are no restrictions. There's no oversight. There's no you know checks and balances anymore. And I think we're going but down we, that but, path but very we are, but dangerously. But we
0: are in that spiral.
1: No, we are. it's exactly they, what I'm saying. We are we, in even that even spiral. Even if we
0: get back all three branches come 2020 – let alone the presidency. If we get you know, like the only way we're going to make any fundamental change to try to undo the damage is ironically probably doing more damage in terms of packing the court and mm-hmm. getting rid of the filibuster mm-hmm. and doing all these things that you know we've screamed about that we shouldn't be done. It's like if we don't do that then we're not going to make any change and then winning elections kind of pointless. Like the, the No, the,
1: we're we're in a very dangerous area here. Like we're past the point of can the institutions be upheld and now it's about they're
0: crumbling left and right
1: they're they're pretty much done so now we have to figure out okay what
0: they're holding on by a thread maybe i would say right what do we
1: need to uphold what is how do we inoculate ourselves from a future trump being able to do what he's done for the last three years and so if that means giving up some of our power i think we should do that In order to like codify into law, like you can't do that and you can't do that. And here's another check and here's another balance. And here's the Mm -hmm. fucking consequences if you don't do it. That's the thing we don't have for the executive branch. Right. It was always just like, well, you're just not allowed to. And Trump has just been like, what if I do it anyway? And we don't really have an answer for that.
0: Ironically, that's, you know, Bernie's message is kind of the opposite. He's very resistant to a lot of that stuff. Yeah like packing the court and getting rid of the filibuster. And, and he, he like his thing is, oh, we'll just convince all those entrenched Republicans that this is what people want. And so they can vote for it. I think that's pretty naive. But like, it's interesting that the, the big revolutionary guy is all about trying to uphold the norms in some cases. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I don't know if he's right or wrong. I don't either. I don't know if Warren's right or wrong. I don't either. I, I don't I, know.
1: I don't know. Wh- I don't know what happens after this.
0: It really is uncharted territory. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It really is. Like yeah. we're in trouble. And, a- and and that's another
0: reason why a Bloomberg is pretty scary. Yeah. Like, but I think a Bloomberg would be very happy to take all that power and do God knows oh, what. Absolutely. To enrich himself. Absolutely. Uh, Without question. You know? Yep. Be, turn into Louis the Fourteenth and yep. have, you yep. know, 10 women in his chamber every day? I don't know. Right.
1: No, I mean, absolutely, right? Like, I think that's the reason this is sort of critical, is that we need somebody who does have principles and does give a shit.
0: Yeah, ultimately, to, whatever like, you want to say it. about Bernie or Warren, ultimately, I think they're definitely altruistic. Yes. Uh, I don't know about Bloomberg.
1: No, I don't think he is at all. I don't believe that I don't in know any what the way. hell
0: motivates him. But I <laughs> can tell you- Power? Even the people I don't like, Biden, Pete, Klobuchar, at the end of the day, I I, I think they want to do good, even if we disagree with their methods and their priorities, and if they were shitty former prosecutors, like...
1: Ultimately, they don't want to just destroy the republic for their own
0: personal gain. <laughs> no, right? No, I could say that for everybody, for every single person and except Trump. for
1: Bloomberg and Trump. Yeah, and those are the the. the
0: and it might very well be two those sides two. of the same
1: coin, right? Yeah,
0: and the American people said these are the two we want to duke it out because.
1: And like, if that's true, like I'm out,
0: I'm done, if, I'm done. If that's true, then we can get rid of all of this play acting. Like, yep. I go back to the Obama years, and like. It's very complicated why Obama was so popular and why he won two elections easily. It's not, you know, you yeah, can't. Yeah, it's
1: not cut and dry.
0: It's not cut and dry. But there was, oh, there was so much kumbaya. Oh, we are making all these advances. Look at mm-hmm. us as a people. And we really are. We really are thoughtful and open and progress, you know, progress mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Open and, and change. Hope and change. Hope and change. And now it's like. no.
1: Nope. We nope. just revealed who we actually are. Yeah, it's like somebody who said, um, "Who was it?" Uh, was on my podcast, seen on radio, and they were quoting a comedian who said, "Obama is who we want to be,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Trump is who we are."
0: That that makes sense.
1: That's true. Obama is the aspiration of this country, mm-hmm. and Trump is the ugly truth of this country.
0: I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that that's what we do if we nominate Bloomberg. It's just, let's just be honest. That's who we are. Yeah. We, we want to believe we're something else, but we're not.
0: No, we we care about money, mm-hmm. and we care about and image. Money
1: is God, and rich people are Jesus, mm-hmm. and we idolize them as though they are literally religious figures, and yeah. that's the only thing that matters.
0: Yep. Even though yeah. we say otherwise. Yes,
1: we'd like to believe that we're something else, but that's not true. Right.
0: At the end of the day, what we're motivated by, can can I go to the store and afford to buy milk? Can I afford my car payment? Can, well, at
1: the end of the day, that's not even it, right? At the end of the day, we're motivated by the idea of American exceptionalism and individualism and that I eventually am going to be Bloomberg.
0: No, I don't think that's most people. I really don't. I, I think people can are just scared into thinking that, like, If we change the system, you will not be able to afford your nice suburban house anymore. You will not be able to uh, uh, afford your Honda CRV.
2: You
0: can't. Well, sure. But, you know, in some cases, if you're just getting by or you're comfortably getting by and that's threatened, that's what scares and motivates people. Yeah. And that's why Trump could win, frankly, because yeah. oh, definitely, no matter who he's running against, except Bloomberg, ironically, he's going to cry scary socialism, and that will motivate a lot of people.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, enough to win. That's unclear, but he's sure got a chance. Yeah, and on that very positive note,
1: <laughs> please vote in the primaries with your hearts. Do not make me vote for this man.
0: Vote for your heart or your head or whatever. Just vote for who you actually want. Don't don't vote for. I, I'm gonna do the Charlie Day uh, math with the you know on my conspiracy board and figure out who I think is quote the most electable. Most right? electable
1: is the people that we elect. Yes. So elect somebody that you care about that you think cares about you.
0: Who you think would make the best president? Yeah. Please. Please try.
2: Please. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: All right. That's it for me. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. Uh, we're gonna try to have Greg working on. Maybe do a midweek podcast, and we have some folks. From a uh, new local division of NARAL, which is now called something else. Um, that are on the
1: docket. are going to come the, talk to yep. us about reproductive rights.
0: Yep, so we're going to have some guests. Yes. So stick around for that. Stay active, stay tuned, stay involved. Talk to you soon. Bye.